Hello, welcome, and thanks for joining us to on VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. And this is episode 44. Whether you're watching on, on YouTube or downloading and listening on iTunes or Spotify, thanks very much. And uh, a nice review would be great. I'm Steve Lillis, and with me, my co host and near neighbor, John Evans. You okay, John? Yeah, really good, Steve. Back in the swing of it now. Shows every weekend, and uh, yeah, back up and running, aren't we? Good man, yeah. Well, boxing's back. Man, I was looking at that. I think something like next weekend, Saturday, Sunday. There's on box rec at the moment. There's like 80 fights for next weekend on all these shows. Saturday, Sunday. It's mad. At the moment. At the moment. At the moment. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about that because the guy we got with us tonight as a special guest is a regular on Bell to Bell podcast. I think he's had a roller coaster few weeks. The downside must be the nightmare of matchmaking right now to the peak of Sam Eggington as well. I don't know how you'd describe it. Stunning war, fight of the year, but ultimately another win against Belel Jikitu on Friday night, which everyone saw free to air on Channel 5. Um, John, um, how's it been the last few weeks? We're going to talk about Sam in the podcast, so we'll come back to him. How's it been for you for the matchmaking? So I'm hearing is nightmare stories of boxers who haven't renewed licenses, not getting it, you know, not, not being able to find opponents, having to go to abroad at the last minute and costing more money. Uh, yeah, it's, it is, it's been the worst I've ever known. It's, it's basically carnage, you know what I mean? And um, it's one of them. It's, uh, we, we lost the fight on McKenzie's show. Uh, Idris Virgo's opponent, Paul Day, just couldn't get replacements. I've seen shows cancelled. Um, one of the other subjects we're going to touch upon, Steve Woods, his shows has been affected quite badly, but, you know, Steve plows forward. He doesn't care, but, yeah, it's just crazy. The circumstances, it's like, it's kind of created the perfect storm for bad matchmaking. Yeah. You know, nobody believed the fights were going to be on, so nobody really got the medicals done because they didn't waste the money. And then all of a sudden the fights were all on. Everybody wanted to get matches done at the same time. All the promoters were dead keen to get the matches out there. And now everyone's rushing and the board could only handle the backlog of medical so quickly. It's absolutely crazy. Foreigners can't get in the country. It's, it's, it's not just the, uh, the, the, the pandemic that's causing the problem. A lot of the foreigners now need visas. Yeah. So all of it, it's just, it's absolutely mental. But what I will say is you have to look at the fact that it's boxing. It's not life or death. If you don't have a boxing match, you can have one in a few weeks. There's people who wake up with far worse news. So if you don't have a boxing match this week, there'll be one in three weeks. There'll be one in four weeks. It's no good getting too stressed about it. It's no good worrying too much about it. It's no good getting beat up, oh, like, you know, beating yourself up, you haven't done the right job. If you've looked everywhere and there isn't, there isn't a match, don't worry, there'll be one in a few weeks and that kid will have to fight in a few weeks' time. That's, John, the, that's the only way you can stay sane. John, just one question. How long before you think, you say, the, the word used with the backlog, you know, because the ball can only deal with so many applications before everyone's licence is in order, the guys that haven't renewed where it's all in order and it gets a lot, it's suddenly, it's never an easy job, but which we say where it eases for you all. I think, I think it'll start to get easier in October because one, there's less matches because there's not quite the big rush of shows. 
and two people are getting the medicals done. And I think by the end of October, we'll be kind of back to like the normal manic that matchmaking is because it's never easy. So I think by the end of October, we'll be, we'll be kind of back where it should be. Yeah, we, we spoke about, I think the last time you were on, one of the topics we had was a backlog coming of <coughs> just so many shows. And well, I, I guess however much we talked about and how bad we thought it would be, it's probably been X times worse, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It's just been carnage. And one of the other things as well, people haven't quite realised, there's a lot of guys who wouldn't usually tech TV shows yeah. who aren't quite good yeah. enough. Because they're the only shows out there and the money's been offered is even better than usual. There's a lot of uh, journeymen getting stopped. Yeah. Who wouldn't usually get stopped yeah. or getting cut to pieces. So not only have we got people missing medicals, blah, blah, blah. The guys that are ready are taking so many hard fights on the TV shows that they wouldn't usually probably tech or be offered. That a lot of them are getting 28 days, even 45 days. So it's even making itself worse. Or the fact that they can't, there's not as many people as usual because people are on suspensions. Yeah. So, like I say, it's like the perfect storm for bad times for matchmaking. Yeah. Well, thanks for that insight, John. Uh, this side of boxing people, you know, they know how tough it is, but you've given an insight to why, you know, promoters are having such hard luck at the moment. And we thank you for that. But without further ado, we'll crack on. Uh, you know how it works, John. Um, after three minutes, John Evans gets a bit, you know, grumpy with his bell, and um, you sh shut up, even though you're you talk more sense than most and forgotten more than most know. But um, anyway, we'll fire away. You got your clock going, John Evans? Yeah, we're ready to go. As usual, your first topic, and it's War Man Sam. Yeah, we've got to start start with Sam Eggington. You know, a right load of shit went on in boxing this weekend, but um. I think we should start off with two proper fighters who had a proper fight. Um, Sam never fails to disappoint, does he? You know, he's had his ups, his downs, but throughout it all, he's been one of the more watchable people. Always gives 110%. Good lad. Uh, and really pleased that he's getting some plaudits now. Um, thought he did really well to keep his motivation after Cheeseman. Total change of direction, wasn't it? New channel, new promoter, new weight class it's turned out to be. But um, he's... His level of performance has probably gone up since the Cheeseman fight. John will, John will be able to tell us what he's like in the gym. But as I say, he took it to a new level this week. Over 1,100 punches. Probably took a plenty more. Probably more than you wanted him to, John. But uh, although me and Steve can talk about the fight and how good it was and how vicious it was, you were in the corner. Um, when it started to... A fight like that seems to get a life of its own and take off, doesn't it? Did it just get away from you, John, and all you could do then was control the chaos? Or did you try and rein Sammy? In it? You know, what's it like in that corner? Basically, Sammy's kind of like uh, like a train with no brakes when he starts going. You yeah. just think, oh, for fuck's sake, he's off again. Yeah. And you just got to try and try and steer it, try and steer it, and it's something soft. But you know, <laughs> it's not a shock anymore when he starts fighting like that. We're kind of like, okay, let's go with it and see what happens. Basically. Yeah, but do you do you do you think John now? You know, I know, you know he's only twenty-seven, but he's having the you know he's had war after war. You know, he's a warmonger. That's why we call the topic war man. Sam, are you at the stage now where right? I've got to get in the, a couple big paydays just in case there's a, a decline could start. 
And I'm not being negative. He, you know, he's, he's Mr. Excitement. We all love watching him. But in your mind as a manager, does that go through now? Right, I've got to get the money in for him now because in three years, he's not going to be what he is now. To be fair, fair, in three years, we're planning on him not boxing. Sam doesn't want to box past Thirsty, really. Right, that's good, yeah. No, you know, we're not planning. He never wanted to box past 25. But, the, you know, you look for things in decline and you see in boxers, their speed, their timing, their desire, that starts to drop. Sam's is improving. He's passing his medicals. And the board's medicals are so strict every year. I know you should see a decline in the way he has fights, but there's some people who are just built differently. You know, you, you see boxers like Jake LaMotta. Yeah. Was, you know, they're just built differently. And, he's, and his speed and his kind of desire and his training, as you can see from his performance, they're still getting higher. So we are keeping a close eye on And he shouldn't be able to have all these wars. It shouldn't be possible. But he keeps going to the well and he enjoys it and he keeps doing it. So we are. Keep, I'm always keeping my eye on. I've even made his sparring lesser to try and make things last longer. Yeah, yeah. Round two over to you, John. And a bit of a follow up from there, from Sam there, from the Sam topic. Uh, yeah, we go straight away. Yeah, we're going to talk about boxers who uh, don't let a loss bother them. And I'm a really big fan, guys. That a loss just makes you a better fighter. As you know, I'm a bit of a boxing historian and I love the fact that the old guys would have 10 losses before I won a British title and it just made them hardcore fighters who knew what they was doing. You know, the murderers of row in America, they all had 10 losses against each other before they even, they even learned to get a world title. And too many boxers now, really good fighters, have got it ingrained to them by social media, fans and even other boxers. You have a loss and you're finished, you're no good. No way. You have a loss. You become a better fighter. You learn from it. You go again. You have another loss. As long as you're not physically getting knocked about and knocked out cold, you learn from it. You become a better fighter. And I just think, you know, the guys out there, such as an Anthony Crawler, if he'd let early career losses bother him, would he have ever had them massive nights at the MEN? Um, what's his name? The Scottish kid, Ricky Burns. When he was getting bounced up and down by Carl Johansson, if he'd have let social media and, and people's attitudes tell him that a loss means you're no good, would we have seen three world titles? And Sam Eggington, who we've just talked about, if he'd have let people tell him that early losses or losses that he perhaps shouldn't have run into bother him and he hadn't been, been determined to improve off them, would we have seen the fight, potential fight of the year, Friday nights? Yeah. I just don't think it's a good thing that social media and, and fans and people online tell a boxer, you have a loss and you're finished. Yeah, you know what? It's a great point. And, and the crawler one's a great analogy. You know, he lost to Yusuf Media. I was there in Bolton. He lost twice to Gary Sykes. I was at the, not the prize fighter one, the second one. And look where he ended up. But there's also Derek Chisora. He's lost 10 or 11 times. He got Hammered by Hay nine years ago. Maxi Usby spoke about last week, five losses in great domestic company, mind you. Liam Walsh, Martin J. Wald, Sam Bowen, Cardell. And, you know, people like John Ryder, you know, he weren't too bad the first defeat against um, Billy Joe Saunders. But then he went and lost to Jack Armfield. And before that, I think he got stopped by um, 
Nick, Nick Blackwell. Nick Blackwell so, for the British. You know, it's a great point. What do you think, Mr. Evans? Yeah, the, the same. And I'm just thinking of examples here of people who've just lost, who've got all the talent in the world, who who should learn and go to a different level. And Josh Kelly's coming back, isn't he? You know, Josh is a great fighter. Josh could have learned so much from that defeat to Avanesian. If he just ignores social media, Josh could come back a, a completely different level fighter. But as you say, social media is unforgiving, isn't it? Round three, um, heavy break. Um, something I've mentioned before, and I'm just looking now more and more, how many months before the heavyweight, world heavyweight championships is well or truly fragmented in that Joyce will go mandatory for the WBO next week and early next year after, Joyce, after Usyk has challenged Joshua, he'll become the mandatory for that. And I can imagine by... First few spring next year, the WBO will be ordering that fight. Joyce isn't going to take any step aside, I shouldn't think so. Fury and Joshua or Wilder and Joshua and Usyk and all that combination of fights can happen. And, you know, this week, Hergovic won again. He's got a final eliminator. And, you know, as soon as he wins that, the IBF will put that straight out. And I just think that, that, that you know, that this, you know, two champions or the chances of one champion is lessening and lessening by the day in the division. Um, and I think, you know, if we do, if we do hopefully get to Fury Joshua next year, it could possibly be for one belt or two belts at the absolute maximum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the time for step aside went over the last three months, didn't it? I think they could have paid a few people and, and had a, a gap there to do it, but, all the various delays have put the kibosh on that, I think. Um, does it matter, though? Are Fury and Joshua just so far ahead of a pack? We're assuming Fury comes through the Wilder fight, although I think it, it could end up being a little bit yeah. tricky, people think. But if he does come through that, those two will be so far ahead. Do the belts matter? You know, we're hearing increasingly now that belts don't matter. I, I think they do to a certain extent. I do, especially when it's the first... That, the winner of that will still be the man, won't he? You know, do the belts matter in such a big fight? It will. It's just that when we've got, you know, providing they both win their next fights, when we've got number one and two in the world, you'd love it for all four belts. You know, we've never had British boxing like that in the heavyweight division. What's your take, John Pegg? Do you know what the worst thing is? The, the kind of effect it's having on boxing is when you was explaining all that fucking bullshit, yeah. my mind started to wonder. Yeah. And I had to jerk myself back and think, what, what's Steve on about here? Yeah. And that's what he does to boxing, because I, I was literally, my mind wandered off, and I just zoned out. And that, that's me, mate, explaining it to me. Imagine yeah. a normal person trying to read it and stuff like that. No wonder we're having trouble with new fans sometimes. We've got the two best fighters on the planet in the division getting ready to fight each other. Surely it's common sense that it's for all the all the cookies, you know what I mean? It's just it's just mental. What about the WBA? Has got about forty seven champions at each weight, you know? And it's just like, just stop it, just stop it. You're making boxing people get bored of talking about it. You're making boxing people zone out. You're right. You're right. Round right, next topic. Yeah. Steve uh, Wood. Is Steve Wood insane? John Pegg. Oh, there, this is down to me. Sorry, I forgot about this one. Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, Steve sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah is. Carry on. Carry on. Right. Is Steve Wood insane? Um, I, as, <laughs> as a matchmaker and someone who's worked for him for a long time, I say he must be. And also, I think it's a real funny level of insaneness in that the fact he's so normal and switched on 
in every other facet of life. You've got a successful businessman who runs multiple businesses who, when you finally get the chance to put a boxing show on, in the climate where we're all t- talking about how hard it is, he decides to do six in one month. Not only does he do six, he makes every show 10 fights each show. And then he just plows ahead when it's going wrong. He's so determined and crazy to make it work for his boxers that, you know, you have to think to yourself, this guy is barmy. Then when the ticket sales might not be working, you say, Steve, you think you should perhaps not put this kid on? No, no, he's got a box. He's got a box. I've never met anyone with the determination to make small hall boxing work uh, for his boxers and for his paying public like Steve Woods. And if he's not insane, he's some kind of evil genius. You know him, Steve Lillis. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I I honestly think... Well, I think when... He told me he was doing these six shows in 21, 20, 24, 26 days, whatever it is. You know, you know, you're making all the matches, 60 fights, whatever you're doing. He'll probably do, he'll probably do it in a night next month, you, you know, know what I mean? Sorry. But I, I think when he did it, I don't think he foresaw all the headaches that have come for you matchmakers, you know, you and, and for himself as a manager and a promoter. Do you think if he'd have foresaw the headaches, he would have not done it anyway. No, he would have no I, I don't think he would. If he, if he knew them headaches were going to be there, I don't think. I think he would have spread it out over two months. They would have all got work. I think he would have done it anyway. I don't think he would have. We'll have to get him on and ask him, but I don't think he would have done. I think he would have spread it out over two months because, as you said earlier, John, so what? You know, if your fight falls through, you fight three weeks later. And they've all got fights in October. And some of the guys, the regular journeymen you use on, on the right-hand side of the build, John, they might have got two jobs out of it. And it made your life a lot easier. And there's many fights. I think he would have. What do you think, John Evans? You're the commentator. I, 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 I think he would have done it anyway. Now, I've, I've been at all three of us, three of the four shows he's done so far. And they've been good. You know, yesterday, <coughs> you know what we're getting? We're getting opponents we've never seen before who we are coming for a right fight. He said so he that to me this morning, yeah. Champion, Jack Kilgan, I'll have to be quick here, ended up in a fight. Luke Evans had a fight. James Moorcroft had a fight. All these new opponents are coming for a do. And uh, I think he would have done it anyway, you know. Well, we'll have to ask him. We got the rounds wrong there. So you're back to you, John, for John Evans, for your second yeah. topic. Someone I've been watching since probably second or third fight, Mark Chamberlain. And the reason is I was looking on BoxRec and I saw the number of knockdowns Mark was scoring. And I think, apart from the stoppages, he's got six stoppages in nine fights. He's got five first-rounders. But he's also got 10 or 11 knockdowns. And these natural punchers who are taking out durable kids like Jordan Ellison in a round, they don't come around very often. And I was was trying to think of other natural punchers. And you've got... Naz developed into a natural puncher. He was live and athletic and stuff. Tyson was a natural puncher. He's squat and short. There's no pattern to it, is there? There's no set build, there's no set style. Mark Chamberlain's upright, skinny, doesn't load up, doesn't look like he's punching hard, but we just have a devastating effect. And John, you'll tell, can you tell someone the first time you hit the pads for you that this kid is a natural banger? Or does it happen the first time you see him in the ring and the shots just seem to have an unnatural effect? How does this come about? Cello Render was a natural puncher. He come to try and be me and he couldn't do a press-up. His physical strength wasn't good, but I used to say to people, be careful with him, he's heavy-handed, and they'd kind of go, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. 
And the first time he looked, landed his jab, you would see him look like that someone had tasered him. Yeah. And, and, and he, he didn't punch perfectly te technically correct. He wasn't a super strong individual, but everything he threw was heavy. And I've had, I've had someone in with that kid. Uh, he went the distance with him, but he got dropped twice. And yeah. we managed to get him through. A good kid called Sean Cooper. Oh, so I know, yeah. know exactly what you're on about. He's very naturally heavy-handed, that Chamberlain. And he just he just lets his hands go. And it's, ow, something hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another one I think, maybe you know, people don't associate it, but, you know, Buaxi can hurt. is very hurtful. Yeah, just I, know, I know people who have sparred with him and they, they've said, you know, when he hits you, you still, you know, you get hurt and sometimes you're recovered. You recover from him, but you're stinging still a minute later. There's some people out there, you know, Julian Jackson, I remember reading a thing and someone said, without his punch, he's a club fighter. With his punch, he's like one of the best in the world. And he doesn't even look like he was throwing hard. And yeah. people would drop like they've been electrocuted. Some people, it's just it's just a natural God-given gift. And, you know, it's just crazy how some people can just naturally knock people out without even trying. You know, if you're another one who's just come to mind, or you wouldn't have thought, do you remember the journeyman, Mark McRae? Mark McRae, when, when yeah, he let his ankle, could switch people off. Good fighter, Mark McRae. Tottenham, weren't he? From Tottenham, he good fighter. Final topic, final round, round six. Boxing's fucked. And uh, it's just the state of the game at the moment. I don't think, you know, it's messed up forever. Of course I don't. You know, I love the sport too much to ever believe that. I just look at the state of it. It's not just a van der Hoel of Phil. We don't really want to go about that. You know, hey, having a spa with his mate and calling out Fury. And, you know, even Ricky Hatton's hinting at an exhibition and, you know what? It says it all. It is how messed it is when Jake Paul is um, boxing's most wanted man. It's absolutely... It just baffles me. But perhaps it goes deeper. And I'm, I'm worried about how fans will see it long term. You know, right now, that, that's all the talk. The YouTubers, you know, Hollerfield, Hay, all this sort of stuff. But I, I'm getting worried. And John, you'll be really good on this. John Pegg, well, as John Evans will... And I'm worried about how many times we're going to see the best beat the best in British boxing over the next few years because I've never known it so diluted. People talk about how it's booming and this and that, but we've got so many TV channels, so many streams. Fighters aren't going to be allowed to fight on other channels. You know, they're not going to let A go to B, B won't go to A. And I'm wondering if fans in the end will just say, bollocks, I'm not tuning in. Do you know what? I think um, you've got great points, but I think the main thing is it's because we see so much of it. We can't see a thing without it being everywhere on social media. You've got to remember in the past, boxers have fought wrestlers, the greatest of all time, fought 15 rounds against the guy lying on his back. He was going to fight a basketball player. Uh, Two-ton Tony Galento was meant to have fought an octopus. We've had boxers go into wrestling, Joe Lewis, um, the bigger uh, Primo Carnera, but because it wasn't quite rammed down your throat every two minutes, it wasn't quite so. Oh, well, boxing's fucked because this is happening. You got to remember, there was a time when boxing had the color bar and it yeah, survived that, you know, because because it wasn't quite you could you could just tap on and you knew everything about it within seconds, you didn't have access. 
And by the time it got to you, it was kind of watered down and filtered. But if boxing can survive the colour bar, if boxing can survive, you know, some of the stuff, like, like I say, Joe Lewis becoming a wrestler, Primo Carnero becoming a wrestler, boxers fighting animals. If they can survive that and get through, we'll get through the current time. It's just that we see so much of it. Nothing gets by. Yeah. And we see every inch of it. Every every little bit of it is giving them to us in technical uh, 24 hours a day. That's why I think it seems worse, to be honest. No, I'm more worried about the best fight and the best seeing the fights we should be. That's the point I'm making, John, because it's so yeah, diluted. Yeah. I get what you're saying about, you know, I think the YouTubers and all that will be a fad and they'll be gone soon, you know, sooner or later. I'm more worried about so many TV companies, so many networks. You, it just worries me that people are just going to say bollocks. I'm not having it anymore. Yeah, you know, we're we, hearing we, that at the minute, we're hearing that a few of these TV companies have taken sides against each other. You know, certain promoters are determined to get one up on other promoters. That's right, yeah. Like, the chances of cross-promotional fights, like, can you see... You, you'll know way better than us, John. Like, let things develop for a few months, but just say next March or April, can you see a fighter from the zone fighting on Sky or a fighter from Sky fighting on the zone? Definitely not. I, I think if it goes to Perspids, you might get manoeuvred the opposite way. It happens rarely enough anyway. You know, I can remember him off the top of my head, like um, Ryder fighting Billy Joe. It's, it's big news, isn't it, already? So with this like Cold War I can see developing between all the different channels, I just think it's going to happen less and less often. Yeah, and that, that's my big, my big, my biggest worry for boxing in this country. I love British boxing. I make my living from British boxing. I don't give a monkey really what happens in America, and I, it's British boxing I care about. Um, I think I think that it will force its hand as it always has done. They will get they will get away with not fighting each other as long as they can, and when they really have to, when it's being cried out for, the fights will happen. They will happen. And if they don't happen, we'll find fights that we we love anyway. You know, all through the years, there's been fights that never happened and we didn't get what we wanted for, for 100 years. But yeah, it will get pushed to a certain level. And when people start voting with the TV button in their feet, then them fights will happen because the promoters are not stupid enough to let boxing die. Yeah. But I think it'll be forced to a position where it has to has to happen where they're like, we've got to let this make these fights happen or boxing is going to go. And I think that's happened in the past. And I think it'll happen again. And and the fans will force the fights to happen eventually. Yeah. The, the only thing I problem I can see is in the past, it was always like two two camps, wasn't there? But now we've got, you could quite conceivably have the zone, uh, Channel 5, Sky Sports, MTK, God knows what they're doing, although yeah. I think a few of theirs are going to end up on Sky, aren't they? Yeah, I, I hear rumours of Sky, you know, a lot of Sky and, and maybe a streaming all group for them. And, you know, BT, it's just, I've, I've never known it. It's so diluted. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I think there's always something in boxing that's kind of like the Cuban Missile Crisis. There's always something hanging over it that could yeah. potentially yeah. wipe it out. And, and like, 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 um, like it just finds a way. It always finds a way. It's like boxing's the ultimate survivor. I mean, look at it as a sport. It's the only sport that's pretty close to what it was like when it first started. Yeah. Boxing will find a way. I believe that. And, um, you know, there's always something hanging over it that's going to potentially ruin it. Yeah. But I think for that, boxing will find a way. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it ever be ruined and oh, ruined permanently and go forever. I just fear that there will be a bit of a backlash eventually to where it was, and that's my concern of our, of you know, another reason why it sucked. People think it's messed up because of all these YouTubers, but there's other circumstances as well right now. But um, you know, I don't think it ever goes away. I say we've had this for years. You know, rumours of TVs, well, every stage TV network pulling out, and where will it go then? It's always going to survive. But it's just, it's just where, where it goes now before, it, you know, sort of everyone gets to you know, get together because they have to and something prevails. Well, I think that's part of boxing evolving. I think it gets forced into a situation because people forget it's a more of a business than a sport. Yes. Yeah. It gets forced, it's back against the wall because people want it to be business first. And then eventually when it's back against the wall where it could be ruined, the powers that be usually find a way to get it back to what it is, a fan-friendly sport. John, just, just before we finish, go back to a topic you had about um, the social media and everything, making it difficult for fighters to take losses. What What do you think about kids who are like 1-0, maybe even making the debut or 2-0, getting the full press conference treatment and full fight week treatment? Do you think that puts them in... That we, I can't lose, I can't lose mindset straight from the start of a career. Would you rather that was left until they actually got to title level or something? Because I see see some of these kids, but but three and all, they've never had a win. I remember on the press conference die and doing in depth interviews and stuff, and it just looks like it puts them in that mustn't lose mindset too early to me. I totally agree. I've got a kid. Um, well, I've actually got a couple of kids on our Aston Villa shows that are great ticket sellers. And they're like, can't you get me on Hennessy because I can sell this many tickets? And I'm like, I probably could, but I'm not going to because it will ruin you. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to develop mentally. You've got to develop your game so you're a bit better because it's quite quite like a hard, you know, it's, it's hard being under the microscope. So I won't put them on until they've developed and, and they're ready to go on TV. Yeah. Some people being on TV can absolutely ruin them because you're under the microscope. And it's very unforgiving. If you're on TV, people expect you to be a certain standard, and rightly so. If you stick someone on TV because of a name or because of a ticket sale and they don't perform and they get absolutely slayed by a million people who, who wouldn't be watching them down the local leisure centre, that's part of the development of a career as well. You're yeah. not doing your job. If you put a kid in the wrong place, he gets slayed and it mentally breaks him. So, yeah, you're exactly right. It can being thrust into the spotlight can be as much as, as bad as getting that first loss. Even if they win, if they're not good and everyone slays them because everyone else on the show is absolutely class and TV fighters, you can ruin a young kid that way as well. You know well, what, well, Johnny? Even if he did, you know, even if he were on TV, but the announcer said, uh, here's a little bit of bonus action. We've got 3-0 and X against 4-5 and Y. That'd be one thing, you know, people would take it as it was. But the fact is now they're, they're part of a fight week build-up, aren't they? You know, people, they're involved in it from Tuesday or Wednesday and the expectation's rising. If you just to be fair, them, John, he's got to be a fair, floater, that's a different thing. To be fair, John, people wouldn't. Because yeah. when you're on social media, you're True. open to a lot of people who are looking to be spiteful. Yeah. And if they see you on TV, as far as they're concerned, this is the kind of people who take the piss out of soap stars, ill kids and stuff. If, the, if you're on TV and in their domain and you're not you're not Floyd Mayweather, 
you're fair game to be absolutely yeah. ripped to shreds. You know what? So if you put a kid in that position, they're getting hammered if they're not ready. But you know what? You made a point there, John Evans, um, when you asked John that question about spotlight and press conferences and being on a dais when they're two and zero. If you obviously they've got tickets to sell in boxing and it's it's different. I know we always use different to other sports, but if you look at football, rugby union, when there's a precocious young 18-year-old talent, those clubs will never put that person up for interview. Yeah. Or if they do have to do something for Adidas, you know, so I used to be on newspapers and yet these guys would have to be put up because Adidas say it. There'll be a press officer setting this setting it sitting in there telling you. That doesn't get used. That doesn't get used. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, yep, you know, it's all part of the game that you've got to be aware of this stuff. And, again, social media makes it a different game now. People are having to learn as they go because social media and access 24-7, sometimes managers learn things about the boxers after the public do because it's out there so fast. Yeah. And the manager scratching his head going, oh, my God, I would never have allowed this to be, like, said. And it's out there. Yeah. And it's already, you know, it's, it's ruining careers sometimes. You know what? It's so different. And when you think back, you look at, you're a matchmaker, John, as well as a manager, trainer, and everything else, cuts, man, whatever, everything but an MC you are. But um, you go back, like, matchmakers of, you know, you know, we how you know those great matchmakers. You think you know, and they were they're, they're greats. You know, Ernie Fossey, Terry, people like Terry Tall. You know, brilliant matchmakers in the eighties, ninety. Mickey Duff. Imagine them now with the, in that social media era. You know, you know what? It's just, it just, it, I just think that sometimes. You know, I think Mickey Duff in this social media era and and the era of people going on box trek and finding out. They're, 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 you know, their their neighbour told them that somebody boxed so and so. Mickey Duff would be on a murder charge. <laughs> I, I honestly believe he would be on a murder charge. We, we touched on this last week, and before we go, because it's going to, I'll tell you, I touched on this with John Evans last week, back in the eight, late eighties when Buncey and myself started in this game. As you all know, John Peg, the only way of getting hold of fighters' records was having a subscription with Ralph Citro's Fight Facts. Um, you'd buy the book every year. But if, you, if your newspaper paid so much a month, they'd send you so many records a month. So, you know, me and Buncey, being a little bit young whippersnappers and a little bit not too popular with Duff, I worked for the Daily Sport and Mickey hated the Daily Sport. I detested it. So he detested me at the time, right? I think he might have detested me at the end. I don't know. And he definitely didn't like Buncey. He, oh, you know, he was banned um, in the end. But um, we used to get Citro's Fight Facts and get it sent to us, pay you the subscription and get it sent. So when he was naming some American opponent saying, this guy's knocked out 26 people and only lost five, we'd report that the five times he lost was when he was knocked spark out inside a minute of the first round each time. <laughs> and Mickey would do it. Mickey and Mike Barrett would do their pieces. <laughs> well, you know, there's a... You know, there's, they're just moaning about facts there. But the trouble is when someone goes on Boxrec and, and spooks somebody and like they'll take a, a, a boxing record, they won't really know what they're looking at. And they spook a fighter and they come back and they say, oh, we had a good win over so-and-so. And you're like, yeah, 10 years ago, yeah. he's had 48 losses since. And that's the problem with that kind of thing. But it's a different era. 
And that's what I'm saying. We're having to learn to cope with something nobody's ever coped with before. Access to information within seconds. What, what, People having about, access to fighters within seconds. Talking about access, John, you know, we've got two minutes left here. I know everyone's going on about, oh, we want coverage now. You know, we want um, fantastic production and you'll be able to see more than you've ever seen. But <coughs> it's me like, yeah, great. We see footage of fighters wandering around hotels. That must be an absolute fucking nightmare. You, you know, in a fight week hotel, where they're following you into your room and these cameras wherever you look. What What's it like being in one of these fight week hotels now? It's a pain in the arse. I'll tell you something else. Because you are always worried. Am I going to say the wrong thing? Yeah. You know, but when they stick the um, mic on you, you know, to do the corner. Yeah. They've done it to me in Italy. And I thought, oh, yeah, go on then. They put it on me an hour before. And I thought, what if I call Eddie a cunt or something in the corridor? <laughs> you know what I mean? And they listened to me on the mic. And I, I was having to really wonder what I was going to say. Then I started to get paranoid and thought, do I talk a game plan with Sam? Yeah. Are the Italians listening to this, this fucker here? So, you know, it, it, it's, it's shocking that the access all the time, you've got to be guarded. You've got to be wondering about exactly what you've said. Have you made a mistake? And it's a bit too much, really. It's kind of like, it's like 1984 on some of these fight camps. Yeah. You're wondering around thinking, who's watching? Am I going to get myself in trouble here? Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not fun when, you, when you're overthinking a bit too much. Yeah. Well, I think we covered everything tonight. John, brilliant guest as always, John Pegg. And, uh, We'll see you again in a couple of months. I appreciate you giving us the time. I know you're trying to finish making a show for Woody. I think you are this weekend anyway. Is it Liverpool on Saturday? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, the 17th. Is that Friday or Saturday? Friday, Friday. Yeah, Friday is the VIP show. Yeah. I'm just doing it by dates now. Woody's frazzled my brain this month. So <laughs> I'll just go to the next date and kind of robotically soldier forward, basically. <laughs> But thanks very much for your time and the insight you always give to people is is, is tremendous. It, you know, it only comes from years and years of knowledge and being in the game. It's not something that comes overnight. Uh, John Evans, thanks very much, my co-host. Thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see everyone next week. Thanks, fellas. Brilliant. Thanks, John. For all boxing info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro across and off, click and subscribe. VIP boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.